What is up, futurists? This is your host, Michael Zakond here. And if you haven't heard my story yet, here it is. I'm a 20-year-old college student who loved business podcasts, but thought they were long, boring, and disconnected from the mindset of young professionals. So I launched Our Future, the business podcast for young people, where I talk to business visionaries about the most explosive industry trends and share inspiring career advice with the leaders of tomorrow. But what started off as a podcast is now a full-on media startup. We produce the Our Future newsletter, which features our conversations with top business leaders to take you beyond the weekly headlines every Sunday. And we just launched the Our Future live event series, where we talk to business leaders in live Zoom sessions where you get to ask your questions. Subscribe at ourfuturehq.com. And before we begin, I got one big ask to all of you, no matter where you are listening right now. Will you please drop us a review in Apple Podcasts? We're currently at 29, and it would be my dream to hit 50. If you screenshot your review and DM our Instagram page at OurFutureHQ, I will enter you in the running to win in our future hoodie. And you know they look sick, and I know you want to rock our brand. My next guest is Marcus Collins. He is a professor of marketing at my very own University of Michigan, Stephen M. Ross School of Business, but he's not your typical academic. Marcus has masterminded some of those well-known campaigns like Cliff Paul for State Farm, one of my favorites, the Made in America Music Festival for Budweiser, Hello Brooklyn for the Brooklyn Nets, and way more. Before entering into the world of academia, he founded a startup in the music space called Muse Recordings, ran the iTunes plus Nike Sport Music Initiative, and ran digital strategy for Beyonce. Yes, Beyonce. Marcus is a master creative when it comes to cultural contagion. And he's a member of the American Advertising Federation's Advertising Hall of Achievement, and is also an at age 40 under 40 recipient. We had an awesome combo. Let's dive in. How do you balance the time between, you know, going out there and promoting uh, Marcus Collins through series like Check the Rhyme, which is awesome. I just listened to a few of those episodes and, and teaching and then also maybe calling up some big clients and helping them out. How do you like prioritize? You know, I don't see them as mutually exclusive. Like I think that 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 as far as my my time allocation, resource allocation, and like this cognitive allocation, they all sort of serve uh, two two worlds. Like when I'm thinking about Marcus as an individual on stage, sort of talking about perspectives um, and concepts. You know, I I'm thinking about them from a practitioner's perspective, i.e. How do I leverage this this knowledge, these theories, these concepts into application? Like, how do they actually show up in the world and and and, and push culture forward in an effort to to uh, to increase commerce, to uh, get people to move? Uh, so the prioritization isn't one over the other. It's sort of kind of when I'm thinking about one, how does it impact the other? When I'm thinking right. about the other, how does it impact? Because uh, it formula. all it all works in tandem to kind of advance your your mission. Well, yeah, I mean, my, if I thought about like my why, it's really to help people realize their perspective, their 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 um, to realize their potential at the highest fidelity possible. Like everything I want to do is help people be dope, like reach their their dopest self, which by by action by practice helps me reach my 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 best self. And whether that's in the classroom, helping put people in the world so they might be able to be better at what they do, or as a practitioner, putting ideas in the world, helping people be better at what they do, wherever it may be. Um, like that's sort of kind of where, where, where I am. And everything is driven towards that, I mean, myopically driven towards that, out, that outcome. For sure. 
Another part of your personal brand, Marcus, is you want to bridge the gap between academia and industry. And I love that because as a naive freshman at Michigan Ross, I knocked on every professor's door and tried to start a consultancy where I connected professors to companies. Now, it did not pan out because I just realized how misaligned it was. And while I do have a vision one day of maybe fixing it, couldn't do it as, a, as an 18-year-old kid. But I love how connected you are with industry. What does that mean to you? To, to, so to, I'm a practitioner bet. by trade, like, you know, and in practice, we always talk about, you know, that works in theory and we sort of discount theory. And as I've been thrust into the world of academia and the world of scholarship, I realized that, oh my goodness, like theory is like, we all use theory all the time. Our, pragma, our pragmatic world is described and constructed by theory. The thing is that most of the time we're using really bad theory, especially in the world of business. As I've been exercising myself in the world of scholarship, I was thinking a lot about how do we bridge this gap between theory, that is a descriptor of the way the world is, and practice, that is the pragmatic side of way the world exists. And to me, those worlds are mean, so much more powerful if we had the language for the two to talk to each other. Not the times scholars don't think about, like they don't know the nuances of what it means to be in the throes of it. And oftentimes people in the throes of it don't have the wherewithal, if not the, the space to actually think and pontificate on these really complex ideas. I've been fortunate enough to do that. So I try to have my foot in both worlds to help each sort of kind of understand each other so that yeah. we can leverage theory and mitigate risk. Yeah, we had Stephanie Osborne come in from PNG. She talked about an amazing campaign where they took, um, uh, a dish soap. Um, what is it called? Why am I blanking on this? Dawn? Dawn. Okay, my bad. Dawn. It was cleaning yeah. um, it was cleaning seals and sea lions from Yeah, Dawn. Yeah. 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 It was an awesome campaign and she talked all about it. I just wish, like for me, like my passion is interviewing business leaders and learning from them and then you know turning that into a digestible, short, you know, consumable product. I wish business school like thought a bit more like that. And I know you're on that wave where you like you bring in all these practitioners to talk to students and lecture because sometimes I feel like these lectures on YouTube are almost as valuable as what I'm paying for in the classroom. <laughs> Brother, I mean, you 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 hitting on you stepping on everybody's toes. You're, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I mean, like, what professors are, what we as instructors are, should do in classrooms is to guide, to guide dialogue, to guide dialogue to help you navigate perspective. And that's what, at least I try to do in the classroom is how do I help provide lenses for you to see the world differently? And truthfully, if nothing else, I think that this is the silver lining of doing remote learning, that it's forcing instructors to say, what is ne necessary to happen in a synchronized way? And what are things they can re-watch before they come to class? And that's sort of kind of skinning, you know, it's, it's like... Um, trimming the fat on what would normally be a, like, I'm going to profess for you for two hours. You know, listen to me pontificate on a particular subject matter. Instead, this is meant to help you see the world differently. Take the stuff that you read, that you, that you watched before you walked into the classroom and let's go like 10 feet deeper into it, like hundred feet deeper into it. And then how do you apply it to the world? I mean, this, this is where professors are supposed to be kind of, this is where we shine because we know the nuances of these things 
far more than like what you can read in a book, especially clinical professors who have put things in the world can say, here's what the theory says. Here's what it, it was. Here's what it's like to be in the actual trenches of it. Now, here's a chance for you to apply it. That's powerful. Yeah. And, and being in the trenches, trenches of the world, that's being exposed to culture, which is kind of the idea that you've created your marketing career around. And there's something you said on your website that kind of resonated with me. You know, uh, I, I'm personally biracial. And, and when I read about what you had said, you said that, you know, amongst your white friends, you know, you were the blackest person they knew. And among your, your, your black friends, you weren't black enough. And h- how did that shape the way that you viewed like, like cultural muscle or? You know, I didn't have the language for it then. That's where theory helped out. 20 years later, <laughs> yeah. theory helped me sort of make sense of the world. Exactly. But for me, you know, I, I just realized that with these people, there were certain characteristics that were appreciated, that were acceptable. And I learned to adapt. Right. I learned to adopt them and adapt to the environment. Mm-hmm. And that really is to me, it's been like my superpower as a marketer, right? Just like because I'm used to observing, I observe very acutely. And you know, I'm I think I'm innately curious. So that just adds like turbo power to what I do. It's like I'm always like, hmm, I wonder why that is. That's really interesting. Let me dig a little bit closer. And I'm constantly trying to get closer. And that's really helped me as a practitioner. And to me, you know, what, what I've come to learn, both in practice and in the theory, is that our worlds are constructed by our cultural subscription. That is, things aren't the way they are. Things are the way that we are. The way we see the world ultimately dictates the way we behave in the world. So if we can understand people's cultural subscription then we can understand what they're likely to do. And as a marketer, that's unbelievably powerful because our job is to influence behavior. In the recent times and for a long time, we've seen brands tap people who are larger than life and who embody culture, who are culture, who are those icons, who do embody those values. And I think it's my opinion that we're still in the very early innings of influencer marketing. It, do you think that, that you know, the the attention might move away from the brand name and more to the person that is doing the messaging on their TikTok audience, their Instagram, you know, they have their own followings and people respect that person, less the brand. What do you think? I think it depends on how you define influence, right? So, you know, influence is the ability for someone to sway your behavior, um, your affects, your, your cognitions, your desires, right? It's an influence to change the characteristics of of someone else. And the thing is that when we think about like endorsers or celebrities, sponsors for brands, we typically think about those people as in, as influencers, the Kanye West of the world, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kim Kardashian, even like the PewDiePie's, you know, he's a dirtbag, right? Like the people, <laughs> the ninjas of the world, like these are the influencers yeah. that we think of. But the truth is, at least according to the, 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 the research, to the literature, that the people who are most influential to you are your people. They're these strong ties that we have. And the, the celebrities that, that um, adorn themselves in brands that partner with these brands aren't as much influencers. There's an ideological influence, but they're not as much influencers as our people are. And those celebrities really are contextualized media. Mm-hmm. They're bright wattage media within a context. So if Diddy is talking about, you know, um, a new champagne, 
that makes sense because Diddy's probably drinking champagne and partying at the club and celebrating, right? But Diddy's like, yo, here's um, my, my, my new favorite green tea. You're like, eh, that don't make no sense, right? Because contextually doesn't line up so much, right? right? right. Uh, but if it was like an energy drink, that makes sense because Diddy probably goes ham, right? And he wants to stay, stay active. Diddy's association to it isn't what's influencing us other than the fact that it's providing context. You've worked, so you've worked with people like Beyonce and Jay-Z and, and Chris Paul, like people with these magnetic personalities. You know, what would you say to a brand that's like considering bringing on like someone big, you know, a big name to do an ad or something? How do they identify if that person is right for them? I mean, you, you touched on it with the Diddy thing and the energy drink potentially, not the green tea. But how can they go about like selecting someone? And is it the right choice? Like, is there companies that shouldn't be using influencers or should they all be doing it? I think it starts with uh, with an, a conviction alignment. Like the Cliff Paul, Chris Paul campaign, it made sense because we're creating campaign is all about helping people. State Farm was the brand. We're all about helping people. That was so awesome, man. I mean, how, did Thanks, you? Man. That I mean, what was it like working with with Chris Paul and and even architecting that idea? Like, I mean, it was an amazing campaign, and it was one of the best. Of yeah. And and it was came off this idea that if State Farm is all about helping people, right? We help people live life more confidently every day. Well, in in the context of basketball, um, you know, how does State? Where does help exist in basketball? Well, the assist. Okay, cool. So we're going to only assist, which makes sense because just like insurance, Perfect. assist isn't sexy yeah. at all. Well, who owns assists on the basketball court? Point guards do. Sweet. All right. So who is sort of the ideal point guard right now? And at the time, it was Chris CP3. Paul. And not only that, but like he was a really good dude. So the idea of creating a doppelganger, his twin brother, Cliff Paul, who doesn't exist, who's all about helping people for someone like Chris Paul in his personality, who just, everyone just said, he's just such a good guy. Like he's a good, good guy. He made all the sense in the world contextually, but what awesome. got us there was the conviction of the brand. And it starts there all the time. So if you're thinking about like using someone like, like a Chris Paul, like object to be a part of a campaign or this person is going to be our partner, our face, sort of like Oprah with Weight Watchers, for instance. Yeah. That close, it all starts with conviction alignment. So to, to round things out, Professor Collins, what's your piece of advice to someone launching a new startup or marketing themselves through a podcast or, you know, just messaging and, and, and being and, and doing marketing or, or any general business advice? What would that be for a young person? First to start is what do you believe? What's your conviction? Like, how do you see the world? Because the way you see the world is going to guide how you behave in the world. It's going to inform the kind of products you put you put in the world. It's going to inform who you partner with, who you curate. Like all these things that we do as practitioners, whether small businesses, content creators, and everything in between, has to be guided by something. Um, and the the way we filter what is appropriate, what's acceptable, what we should be doing. It's all informed by the way we see the world, our conviction. And awesome. it starts there. And not even as a company, but as an individual. Why do I exist? How do I see the world? And everything we do should be demonstrative representations of that belief system. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Marcus Collins. He is a professor at the University of Michigan, 
Ross School of Business. And I cannot wait to take one of his classes one day. Super interesting guy with an amazing creative mind. Definitely deserves the accolades he's earned in the marketing space. And if you like what Marcus said today, check out his social media accounts, whether it's his LinkedIn or his Instagram at Marco Theck, M-A-R-C-O-T-H-E-C. You will love the content he puts out about marketing. Thank you for listening as always. Stay safe and stay frosty.